This is Archive Atlanta, episode 183, Sherwood Forest. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lamos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. So this week's mini episode is all about Sherwood Forest. No, no, not the mythical woods from Robin Hood, but the mid-century Atlanta neighborhood tucked next to Ansley Park just off Peachtree Street. It is a quote-unquote hidden gem where you can find one of the oldest homes in Atlanta, along with a catalog of 1950s ranches. So before we get into the 1949 development, we need to go all the way back to 1822. After the forced removal of Native Americans, land in Georgia was doled out in land lotteries, And the Collier family had come to Gwinnett County around 1806, I think from South Carolina. And one of their neighbors, Joel Prickett, had acquired a lot in the future Atlanta. And so Meredith and Elizabeth Collier and their seven at the time children, being good neighbors, they helped Joel move. And the story is that when they arrived here, they kind of fell in love with the 202 and a half acre lot next door. Meredith purchased this land, which ran along a former Native American trail. And the Colliers would go on to have eight more children, totaling 15. The fifth born of them was named George Washington Collier. Wash, as he was called, was about nine when the family moved to the future Atlanta, and he would end up living for 80 years on this same piece of land. He built his house around 1868 on the exact site of his childhood home. There is a debate on and off about whether he was able to use some of his father's home's material, but either way, it's still an old home. And Wash was the first merchant in downtown Five Points, and then he served as the first postmaster from 1845 to 1849. In 1897, there was a Constitution reporter who actually rode his bike out uh, to visit Mr. Collier. And then this quote from the paper, I think, perfectly describes what this land looked like in that time. And it goes, quote, Down at the end of the rugged, winding road that cuts sharply away from the church driveway at a point on Peachtree, just beyond where we turn down to Exposition Park, there is a stretch of field which in these fickle April days of clouds and sunshine is a vivid green, and beyond that an old-fashioned house. End quote. Now, the exposition park was Piedmont Park, um, and it's funny to think of Peachtree paved in chert, which was like loose gravel. Collier died in 1903, and then his children sold a portion of the land in 1904, and that is what would become Ansley Park. By 1935, the Burdett Realty Company began development along the future Beverly Road, and so they were calling this kind of development Collier Woods. Beverly Road itself was just being constructed at the same time, and it officially opened in June of that year. This development was described as a 225-acre project that was quote-unquote amply restricted. We all know what that means. And then by 1936, they had actually built a model home on Beverly, which is still there today. It's 150 Beverly Road. Um, And then by 1937, the home and the development in the newspapers had been transferred under the name of Haas, Howell, and Dodd. So quick aside about that company, because it does play such a huge role, but Aaron Haas founded Haas and Howell in 1882. By 1932, they had added Dodd to the company name. And then by 1948, it was just Haas and Dodd. In 1945, Collier descendant Lula Collier owned the family house and the surrounding 140-acre tract known as Collier's Woods. Just a year later, in 1946, she sold it to Haas and Dodd, making them the third non-Native American owner of this property. 
1948, the bulldozers had moved in, sewers were being laid, city streets were being cut and paved, and the city of Atlanta actually made a like a deal with the developers, they would provide the equipment and the convict labor to pave the streets as long as the developers provided the material. And I talked about this a lot in the Chain Gang episode. Haas and Dodd planned a 250 home development to be named Sherwood Forest. So Sherwood means the woodland belonging to the Shire, and Sherwood Forest is a royal forest in Nottinghamshire, England, associated with the legend of Robin Hood. The United States has at least 10 other Sherwood Forest neighborhoods. I, I mean, I was still finding them up until recording, and I tried to figure out why. So The Adventures of Robin Hood was released in 1938. There was a sequel in 1939. There was a movie called Rogues of Sherwood Forest in 1950. And then Disney had a story of Robin Hood in 1952. And let's not leave out the 70s cartoon Disney, which is like one of my favorite Disney movies, which I know is blasphemy for a lot of people. But I might have missed one of these movies. America just could not get enough Robin Hood. Um, and I had a friend point out that even that old timey like script was really popular in restaurants and advertising. So that's my guesstimation. It was just kind of a thing that swept the nation. The developers of Sherwood Forest here went full tilt. They named the streets Robin Hood Road, Doncaster Drive, Lady Marion Lane, Friar Tuck Road, and Lionel Lane, among many others. The old Wash Collier home, now at 1649 Lady Marion Lane, was being used as a field office and it was slated for demolition, which outraged a lot of Atlantans in the paper. In September of 1949, Judson Garner, who was the one of the presidents or something at the developer, announced the official opening of Sherwood Forest and that more than half the lots were sold. By the summer of 1950, the newspaper's headlines read, quote, young marrieds dwell in Sherwood Forest, end quote. And that's really what it was. It was young, white, newlywed couples, upper middle class. Um, we have a lot of their the first residents' names listed. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Jervis Morrison, Mr. and Mrs. George McDuffie. There was Dozier and Caroline Willard, Mr. and Mrs. Roy Massey, and Barney and Florence Rickenbacker. Um, architect Richard Kennan Perry actually purchased two lots, and on one of those lots was the Collier Homestead. By January of 1951, 110 lots were sold to people, there were 20 lots sold to developers, and 66 homes had been completed. The developers again touted restrictions that were going to ensure against quote-unquote cheap houses, so none of the houses being built were allowed to be less than 650 square feet. The David Hemrick House, which stood at 340 Robin Hood Road, um, often made the newspapers and it was actually in a Better Homes and Gardens magazine in 1953. So it was designed by architect Henry Norris. And it's funny, like the house no longer stands, unfortunately, but if you look at it in the, in the Better Homes and Gardens, it might not be as exciting as you think, but we have to remember that this is such a new and modern and exciting design. Um, and they talk to the wife, of course, in this very sexist tone, you know, but she's like, oh, I didn't think I would miss, you know, heavy drapery I'd have to clean and the Duncan Fife furniture. And she goes on and on about what a housework free type of design this home is. 
1951, there were 40 Sherwood Forest residents that protested their high property tax assessments. I think it was a little bit of a shock how much their uh, the county valued their homes. And so this early protest actually led to the formation of the Sherwood Forest Civic Association, which formally started in 1952. That was also the same year that the Sherwood Forest Garden Club formed, um, and they did a lot. They worked with the WSBTV to clean up their property that kind of adjoins the neighborhood. Um, they maintained all of the little uh, island-type park spaces in the neighborhood, and they had some fun events, which I'll mention in a second. By the early 1950s, more than 90 families lived in Sherwood Forest, and then many of these homes, again, mentioned in the paper, uh, people always ask, like, oh, is there a photo of my old home? The answer is usually not, but if you live in Sherwood Forest, I would definitely check because, again, talking about the modern ranches, there was also a parade of homes event in 1952 that showcased this, talking about kind of all of the modern appliances and the modern kitchens. Hands down, the greatest article in this research was a 1954 Sherwood Forest Garden Club fundraiser event where they did like a fashion show and tea and the women of the garden club dressed like characters in Robin Hood. So it was held at the home of the event chairwoman, Mrs. Adrienne Monk, which was 1730 Doncaster Drive. And there are photos of these women in their costumes. I'm going to post that on social media. You have to check them out. So they had this fashion show, they had tea and snacks afterward, and then my absolute favorite is they listed out um, all of the drinks, all of the beverages and the food. They were called Sherwood Spice, Lady Marion Finger, Friar Tuck Cheese Dots, Little John Custard Cakes, and Forest Green Mints. By 1958, the person that had purchased that Collier home, Mr. Perry, he sold the home to James Bentley Jr., who would live in it until his death in 2003. And he would often host these big community barbecues, and he did that in 1999 when the neighborhood celebrated its 50th anniversary. So there you have it, the short story of Sherwood Forest. Very similar to Ansley Park, the neighborhood does not have any local historic preservation protection, so you do see a lot of modern homes replacing these mid-century ranches. Like I said, I went to look for the Hemrick House, no longer stands. But that's happening across the city. So if you have not been to Sherwood Forest, it is not a place you're going to drive through. You have to very specifically go there. Take a walk. That's the best way to see it. Go see the one of the oldest homes in Atlanta and also go check out all of the amazing mid-century goodness. Thank you everyone for listening. Remember to leave a reading and or a review wherever you listen to the podcast. There's also a Patreon link in the show notes to support. Hope everyone has a great weekend and I'll talk to you next week.